Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Today, we are continuing our series on Hello, My Name Is. And the past two, week, two weeks ago, JD kicked us off with Samuel. And a week ago, Melissa talked about Nicodemus. And today, I get to take on the role of Hosea. Uh, who here has heard of the story of Hosea? Okay, for those that read the story of Hosea, people would know that Hosea's story is a little bit of a scandal. So Hosea... Um, is a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel around the 700 BC. And one of the most unique things about him is God asked Hosea to marry a prostitute. First of all, if that was your assignment from God, I would question <laughs> a lot of things about my life. I'd be like, what did I do to be able to, to have to be assigned to marry a prostitute? But... Anyways, there's a beauty in this story. So if you guys love love stories like I do, this is a good one. This is a good love story. Uh, I love love stories. You guys, Pride and Prejudice, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah. All right. So I want to lay out some foundation before we get started. So Jose is a prophet who lived in the northern kingdom of Israel during the reign of one of the worst kings named Jeroboam II. Do you guys know who Jeroboam is? Uh, he's just a terrible king. It doesn't really matter. But um, during Hosea's time, northern the kingdom of Israel was flourishing. The economy was good. Um, like, they had political alliances with neighboring nations like Egypt and Assyria. And so just imagine yourselves just like flourishing northern Israel. That sounds nice, doesn't it? However, um, so they were secure and successful as a nation. But during this time of prosperity and success, Israel forgot who God is. Oh, how dare Israel. How dare they forget who God is. So no one was teaching the people of Israel about God, who he is, or equipping anybody in faith because they felt like God, they didn't need God anymore. And I kind of wonder if we're the same today. Have you guys ever felt like you love God for a season? And then you're like, the moment that God has kind of done his part in your life, you just kind of leave? Put God back on the shelf or like the background of your story? And so I just want us to be careful with that because it's just like God is not meant to play the background. God is meant to be the center of who you are and how we live. And so as time came by, the people of Israel slowly drifted from God. So they started worshiping idols and other gods. They were trusting more in their political alliances than trusting God for their safety and security. Um, and so in turn, God is slowly becoming like a background character in this na narrative that Israel has. So... This is just a side comment. As I was reading the story of Hosea, and Hosea is beautiful. I love the story of Hosea. But I'm just trying to set the stage here. But I feel like this is an important point to make because so far, Israel has categorized God as just any other God. They were worshiping idols. They were worshiping a cow statue named Baal. And I'm like, I was reading the Bible. I was like, what's this obsession with cows? And so I was like, especially one that's named Baal. I was just like, this is kind of lame. But um, so, yeah, so they were worshiping other gods, and they only worship God when they need to or feel like they need to, and they call on him only when they need to. So in Hosea 4, 6, actually, they state that they lack knowledge of God, of who he is. And 
So the same ideology can apply to us today. And rather than fitting in the story of Jesus, we make Jesus fit in our story. And with that, I just want us, again, to be careful because what's so sad about the, hum- the humanity of us is that sometimes Jesus just becomes a self-justification of the sin that we commit. Sometimes Jesus becomes the safety net of our salvation for all of us, where it's like, oh, God forgives. Oh, he's an all-loving God. Oh, he will allow, like, he will forgive me no matter what, and he cares about me. Yes, God loves you. A hundred percent he does. However, Jesus is so much more than a safety net for any of us. We do not go to God and abuse the love that he gives just because he's willing to forgive us over and over again. So, that is, it's, God is not here to ease us of our moral guilt when we sin. He's so much more than that. And so if you're struggling with this whole idea of you don't even know where God is in your life, I just want us to reevaluate who God is in our life. And so you just ask yourself, is this um, narrative that I have for myself or is this sin more enjo- enjoyable than my relationship with God? So anyways, back to Hosea. So what does God do in order to um, reflect to Israel that they've been unfaithful. So God uses the prophet Hosea as a voice to warn Israel of the consequences of their unfaithfulness and idolatry. And God not only uses Hosea as a voice, he also uses his personal life as a living illustration to show how Israel has prostituted themselves to other God. First of all, I do not want to be an example to, um, to have to marry a prostitute and be like, hey, Jazz, like, can you imagine just being asked, Jazz, can you marry a prostitute just so that I can um, deliver this message? And so let's read the story of Hosea. So Hosea 1, you guys ready for some scandal? Yeah, I like a little bit of scandal, you know? All right, so Hosea 1, let's read it. The Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah, and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. So, verse 2, when the Lord first began speaking to, to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute, so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter, the daughter, the daughter of Bibliam, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, name the, name the child Jezreel, for I am about to punish King Jehu's de- dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Soon, Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter Lo-Ruhamah, not loved. I know. Can you imagine going to school and there's like, Lo-Ruhamah. I, I love you, but the Lord, not right now. Um, but uh, for I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them, but I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses or char- and charioteers, but my power as the Lord their God. Oh, I just lost my second verse. But um, as the Lord their God. After Gomer had weaned Lohuru Hamah, 
she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, name him Loami, not my people. <laughs> again, another classmate you might have, not my people, man. Uh, for, as, for Israel is not my people and I am not their God. Yet, the time will come when Israel people will be like the sands in the seashore, too many to count. This is the same promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis, actually. So, it's funny because God is saying all these things to show the broken promises that's happened in, um, in his relationship with Israel. And yet, in verse 10, he redeems, he promises them restoration. So, yet the time will come when Israel will people will be like the sands of the seashore, too many to count. Then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, it will be said, you are, you are children of the living God. Then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together. They will choose one leader for themselves, and they will return from exile together. What a day that will be, the day of Jezreel, when God again, God will again plant his people in his land. This is such a beautiful, um, actually, it's like when I first read it, I was like, okay, this is really, really cool. And then like midway point, I was like, oh my gosh, God is angry. And then at the end of it, you're like, oh, God is willing to redeem people. And so I was reading the story and I was like, Jose is definitely one of those characters I do not want to be. So imagine living your whole life faithful to God, and he tells you this. Like, can you imagine the criticism, the judgment of people, his friends and family, um, the idea of disgrace to take a woman of harlotry to be your wife? Like, personally, if a friend of mine told me, he's like, hey, Jazz, like, I found myself a person I would love to marry in the future. I was like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. Who is it? Yeah, everybody knows her. Um, I was like, oh questionable, but he'll be like, oh, there's a call of God in my life. He's like, all right, I can't fight you on that one. But, but that's Hosea, man, the level of faith that Hosea has, I am amazed. Personally, if I was to do something like that, I probably would say no. I have this dream of what my fam I want my family to look like, what my, my wife to look like, to be able to worship God. And I want kids who worship God. And to have to go through something like that, that's a huge sacrifice to make. But then I ask myself, is like, God gave me this life in order to represent him. And how much of my life am I willing to withhold from God? If, like, like if I'm withholding who I am, who my life is from the one that gave it to me, like, what kind of relationship do I really have with God? And so, but here's the thing for the people in this room. God will most likely never ask you to marry a prostitute, but he will ask you to sacrifice some things in your life that has been causing separation between you and him. And so today, that's kind of what I wanted to focus on, to be able to just kind of see where we're at when we're pursuing God. Do we love God? Do you know how much God loves you? And how much are you willing to surrender to God in order to live the life that he's called you to do? So I have three fundamental points that I kind of learned through the message of Hosea. One is God loves and will unconditionally love you. Ooh, tell the person next beside you, God loves you. Man, I love doing that part where he's like, tell the person beside you, God loves you. So in this story, God was angry, but he still promises um, so many things to, um, to the people of Israel. So actually in Hosea chapter 2, uh, Hosea and Gomer they, after they have three children, Gomer went back to a life of prostitution. And so, like, can you imagine just, like, waking up every morning, you're not even sure if your wife is going to be there. And that's kind of, like, how God feels 
when we choose to idolize certain things over him, when we choose to prioritize certain things in our life over God. It's almost like we're choosing these things over who God is. And so, however, what's beautiful about the story of Hosea is it didn't matter how often Israel broke God's heart. It didn't matter how far away they were. The only thing that God's unconditional love is so unconditional that he will love you nevertheless. The only thing he asks you is to be able to turn to him and openly receive it. And so chapter on chapter 3, it says, Hosea's wife. So this is after Gomer left and uh, Hosea was told by God to pursue her again. So Hosea's wife is redeemed. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. Even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushes of barley and a measure of wine. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relationships with anyone, not even with me. This shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or prince and without sacrifices, sacred pillars, priests, or even idols. But afterward, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendant, their king. In the last day, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his goodness." So, in the Bible, adultery actually sets the grounds for divorce. And Hosea was free to divorce Gomer. He can say, he's had enough. He can say, God, I have loved this woman that you have given me, and I have loved her wholeheartedly. However, it's like, that, like God, man, I don't know how much you guys see, like, God loves us so much. And the fact that he's willing to pursue us no matter how often we mess up, how often uh, we we stray away from God. He's willing to love us. So it's just like, can you imagine? It's like Hosea is feeling this way. It's like, I have loved Gomer over and over and over again, but she keeps breaking my heart. And this level of faith that Hosea has in God to take somebody back, that is a reflection of how God is with us. That it doesn't matter who you were, what you did, the mistakes in your past, God is still willing to take you back. So should you decide. And so it's funny because this is the God that we get to worship. This is the God that we sing praises to. He is the one that loves. And it's like, again, it just doesn't matter because it's like God loves you so much. And do you guys know that? Do you guys know that God loves you? Because it's the beautiful thing about God is like he sent Jesus on this earth to die, to be the 15 pieces of silver and a quantity of barley to pay for our freedom and our relationship with God. We didn't do anything to deserve God's love. It wasn't something that you earn. It wasn't something that you do. Or It's not about you. It's about who God is. And it's about what he can do to, in order to pursue you. So one of the main principles to why the book of Hosea is, exists is to show us how directly God lo- God's love affects us in our daily lives. The Bible we read every day, it's not just a piece of paper that you read. It is a piece of paper that translates to our daily lives. So, see, Gomer, I believe, experienced how much Hosea loves her. And for us, this experience of love should be the foundation for us to repent and change. Our actions should be nothing more than a reflection of our relationship with God. I always ask people, do you know God loves you? Like, I ask this to youth, to our youth every time, do you love God? Do you know God loves you? And then some of them are probably annoyed that I ask them this every week. 
actually, yeah, right? I ask this every week. But one of the funny things is just like, if you know how much God loves you, then it should allow you to be, that should be the foundation of your transformation. Who we are and who God is and how much he loves us should allow us to be able to change and be able to focus on God. And another thing that I learned about this thing is, in the story of Isaiah, is just because God loves you, it doesn't mean that, that, that we're free to do anything and everything, you know? So you, God loves you, but you can still live outside the will of God. And so it's like, for example, in the story, again, Hosea went back to, um, to a life of prostitution. But Gomer can still, oh no, Gomer went back to a life of prostitution. <laughs> Not Hosea. Guy's good. Um, but Gomer can say she's married to Hosea, but not honored of everything she states. Right? So Gomer can say she loves Hosea, but she's still living a life of prostitution. And so this translates to us because just because a person may say they love Jesus, if the fruits of their life does not reflect it, are they really in an active relationship with Jesus? Look at it this way in relation to the story of Hosea and Gomer. I know I'm not married, so I'm going to ask the married couples in this room. Uh, it's not, no pressure. No pressure. But married people, I just want to ask, if I'm married, but I stay away from my spouse long enough and don't connect with them at all, am I going to be married for a long time? Really? Dang. Um, Right? Like, if you don't connect with your spouse or you don't go and see your spouse, and you, you're still married. You're still married. And you don't have to go home or even physically to see your husband or wife to be married and say you're still a husband or a wife. And, but stay away from each other long enough and see how much that marriage really means. And in the same way, you and I can say we love God. But if we don't practice and live out the life that God has for us, then how much does that love really mean? Because here's the thing, we can be trapped into pursuing our own, like we, in the Bible, it says Israel, we're pursuing idols, right? In the same way, we can pursue idols in today's time. And our idols in today might look a little bit differently. For example, lustful desires, maybe some people in here struggle with pornography. Maybe some people struggle here with um, keeping the... Um, purity within a boyfriend or girlfriend relationship and or some people are in, like obsessed with greed and the pursuit of money and success over who God is or like maybe you're allowing your emotions be the identity of who you are see these things can be seen as idols in your life these things are things that you can devote your life to and so I just want us to remember that the life that we live like it's a life that is given to us because we get to worship God. God created us in order to have relationship with him. But there's this humanistic issue that even us as Christians forget. This is a life that we've been given as borrowed life. God has placed us on this earth to be a representation of who? Who he is. We are called to carry on the mission of Jesus, to reach out, to share, to love, and carry out the narrative of Jesus, the gospel. It's not for us. The gospel is for us, but it's not about us. The story that we live, it's about reflecting who God is. And so God wants, but we live in such a self-centered, me-focused culture that sometimes God ends up fitting in our own narrative. 
you know? And that's a danger for a lot of us. The people of Israel put God as an idol, almost like on the same level as they worship their idols. And so it's just like, I want us to be careful with that because there's seasons in my own life where I felt like I only worshiped God or prayed to God when I needed him. And after that, it's like God goes back on the shelf and I'm just like, Lord, I will see you next month if I'm sick again. Or like, I will see you next month if I need a help with my future. I will seek you next month when I'm feeling lonely, when I'm feeling depressed. But no, God's relationship with us should be so much more than that. God has called you to be so much more than that. And so when we treat God as if he's just a totem when we, that we can go to, when we're in deep, deep, desperate need of help, then I don't know what kind of relationship that is. And so, and we miss out on what God really wants for us. So God wants to show his love for you. He wants to restore and redeem you. However, Note this, God will not force the purpose he has appointed in your life. More often than not, it is us that chooses to separate ourselves from the will of God. In Hosea verse 1 to 2, this talks about Israel's love for wickedness. It says, I want to heal Israel, but its sins are too great. Samaria is filled with liars. Thieves are on the inside and the bandits on the outside. It's people don't It's people don't realize that I am watching them. Their sinful deeds are all around them, and I see them all. See, this is where repentance comes in. Um, Whenever I think repentance, I think of a guy on a soapbox in the corner of a street. You know, it's like, repent, repent, or you're going to hell. I was like, oh, somebody kicked the soapbox out of this guy. Um, But repentance is understood by many people as to turn from sin. But the more accurate biblical definition, actually, of it is to change one's mind. God calls us to change our minds about the sins we currently embrace. Repentance isn't simply to turn, to complete, simply to turn, but to completely develop a new mindset about your sin. It's to think, oh, if I do this, then am I sacrificing my so much more, so my relationship with God? Oh, if I do this, do I really want to do this if I'm compromising my relationship with God? It's to think I love God so much that is this sin even worth trading that for that? That's, that's, that's what it means to repent. It's not simply just to turn. That's the beginning of it. But it's also to simply change your mind about the things that, the sin, what that sin is. And so in Christian theology, actually, there's this word called metanoia. It means repent. It comes from meta, meaning together, with, and news, or new, which means mind. It means together with God's mind. And so a change in mindset should develop us to second thought everything that we do. So it's like to second thought the nature when it comes to sin, because we want to honor our relationship with God. It is to realize that we thought wrongly about the past and be able to withhold and hold on to the conviction that God has given us. That's what true repentance is. It is to change you from the inside out, to be able to come to full realization that God, God has done so much for us through Jesus Christ. It is to let that be alive in your life. So my, the last thing that I want to talk about in this point is um, I just want to encourage us because God can love you and we can repent. However, repentance doesn't stick very long when we don't know how to love God. So 
a lot of people will say, I love God, I love God, but never really reflect it. So I want to I encourage us, don't say that you love God, show it. Show that you love God. In Hosea 6, 1 to 7, it says, a call to repentance. Um, verse 6, it says, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, now he will heal us. He has injured us, now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we, oh, so that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. This is what God says. Oh, Israel and Judah, what should I do with you, asked the Lord? For your love vanishes like a morning mist and disappears like dew in sunlight. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter you with my words, with judgment as inescapable as light. I want you, okay, Hosea 6, 6, this is, I love this verse, you guys. Okay, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. But like Adam, you broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. So here's the thing. God pleads for his people to love him for who he is. God doesn't want their burnt offerings or for them just to worship him because they need him. Or God wanted them to love him. And just as God wanted them to love him, God wants us to love him. To love him just as he loves us. And I wonder if some of us are here and we are the same as Israel. Some of us follow the do's and don'ts of a religion to keep up a moral obligation in order to represent God. And that's great and all. Don't get me wrong. You are faithful. But I wonder how many of us actually love God. To seek who he is, to love him for who he is, and not what he gives. God gives salvation. God gives forgiveness. God gives a lot of things for us. But God doesn't want you to love him just because he gives you all those things. God wants you to love him because God wants us. And so God wants us to worship him and believe him, not out of a moral obligation, not out of fear if we're going to heaven or hell, or not out of fear of his wrath, but to worship him and love him because he has already given us his love. God is giving himself to us. And so I want to ask us today, are you in love with what he gives or are you in love with who he is? Do you love God or do you love the idea of God? Loving a concept of God based off of what you want to believe about God is different than loving the actual God of the universe. Loving the idea of God is picking and choosing the characteristics you want to believe about God, but not actually believing God. See, God is love. God is just. God is forgiving. He is gracious, and He will love you no matter what. Yes, those things are true about God, but God also loves you enough to get angry at your sins, to convict and call you out when you're living in sin. And if you're here today and you're struggling in accepting that side of God, then you and I might be worshiping two different gods. And so... It's important to know this because if you keep shaping God to whoever you want to be, Him to be in your life and not actually believing who God is, then you will never overcome a lot of things in your life because there's nobody there to convict you, to call you out. There's nobody there to show you what true love is besides the one that you give yourself. And so 
I just want to encourage us. It's just like, let's fall in love with God. There are seasons in my life where I would sit in my car and I'm just like, Lord God, thank you for the joy that you are. Thank you that you are the God that I get to worship. You are the God that loves me more than anything. And I want to accept you in my life. And so I just want to encourage us today. I want to encourage us to define who God is in your life. Why do you follow Jesus? If a stranger asks you who Jesus is to you, will you be able to answer it? Will you be able to say, this is why I love God? Will you be able to answer and be able to share who God is to everybody else confidently? And so I just want to encourage us. It's like, and another thing, it's like reflect on your first encounter with Jesus. What changed about you after you met Jesus? What changed about the people around you after you met Jesus? And if nothing has changed, maybe you're still living in the old life you thought you left. And so this, these things are just things I want us to think about. Because it's, I think it's super important to, for us to be able to live this life with God on a foundation that He loves us. On a foundation that we too are willing to sacrifice a lot of things in order to pursue God, just as He pursued us. And so I would, I would like to ask us to all stand up as I'm going to close. And so today, my encouragement for everybody is I want to encourage us again to define who God is in our life. Two, reflect on your first encounter with Jesus. What changed about you? What changed about the people around you? And if nothing again has changed, maybe you are still living the old life you thought you lost. And lastly, reflect on the day-to-day -day things. Super simple. Things that you might need to surrender to God in order to pursue Him more. What is it that I need to let go in order to let God do things in my life? And it's as simple as that. And so today, I'm just going to end this with a little prayer. And I hope, I hope that you guys feel encouraged today. I hope that you guys go out and be able to share who God is because He's changed your life and He's transformed you inside and out. So... I just want to close our eyes, bow our head, and I'm just going to pray a prayer. And so, Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are the God that we get to worship and that you are the one who is able to change our lives, to transform us inside and out. And I just want to thank you that you are just, you're just going to fill us with the Holy Spirit to receive anything that you want in our lives. And so I just want to encourage us to repeat this prayer after me just to be able to say yes to Jesus. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. I just want to invite you to enter my heart. And I just want you to be able to change me for your purpose. I say yes to you. I say yes to Jesus. And I'm excited for more of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.